This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 938, Comic Talk with Eric Anthony. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 938. It's uh Another Comic Talk episode, this time I'm joined by Eric Anthony of the Cave of Solitude podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Let's jump into this. Let's let's talk comics. Let's talk exciting stuff. I'm always excited to have a co-host on the episode. Uh, I will say, Eric, this is, for the first time in a long time, you're on a non-centennial episode. Isn't this exciting? I, I'm very, I was just thinking about it before we started. I'm like, I'm really excited about, uh, about this episode, the impromptu nature of it, the year-end uh, kind of conversations we could have. What like what made me the lucky the lucky contestant to be on the rotation? I feel privileged. Uh, no, I, I you know I realized that we hadn't chatted on, on on podcast or at least not on my podcast for a while. I mean, yeah. as I said, the last time we we had talked on, on this show was episode nine hundred. Uh, this is your eighth appearance on the show, um, so you're, you're keeping it going. It's funny because I feel like we talk more often than we do. Uh, mm-hmm. I listen to your show a lot, and obviously I've been replaced by Dave Molyneux, uh, <laughs> who's your new favorite guest, which is, you know, that's okay, that's cool. For people who don't listen to the Cave of Solitude podcast, um, they really should, because you have some great conversations with Dave. He's got a fantastic accent, it makes me stand yeah. up and take a listen. Uh, he's got some great ideas, and you guys have been doing deep dives on the Marvel stuff, which I really appreciate, because, although it's interesting, there's been a number of times where I'm just like, Dave, no, I totally disagree with this. Um, but it's interesting You've to listen got to controversial views. Oh man, we should be on the same episode. We'd have some varying opinions of certain things. But uh, no, it's it's just it's nice to have you on the show and uh, chat about things. And I was thinking of, like a couple things, like kind of talking a little bit of kind of recap of the year. But I don't know how much we want to talk about this year. But also looking forward to next year. You know, like yes. you know, what are the collections next year that you're excited about? And we know up until like next August what's coming out. So what are those epics that are kind of stoking your fire that you're really excited about, or lines that you already follow? But the specific volumes that you're like, damn, I'm in this. Like, what is what's got you excited? So I, I was thinking about this kind of stuff, and I was like, there's only one man who can satisfy this and really come and deliver the goods. It's Eric Anthony. Yes, thank you. I'm excited. So I've hyped you up yeah. very well, very well. And again, yes. this is impromptu. This is fun because I find often I come on your show and you hit me with a this or that, and you, mm-hmm. we do a lot of kind of impromptu stuff. You put me in the hot seat. I have to come up with hot takes really quickly. And I thought, you know what? Now it's my turn. Let's let's okay. let's let's I'm, go I'm, the other way. Let's do it. So I do want. So I want to talk about epic collections first. I want to look at epic okay. collections for 2022, and to get a sense of where your head's at, what you're excited about, or if, if there's really anything that's kind of percolating from you. So I have kind of the uh, the list of the stuff that's coming out this year. I'm going to go a bit of chronological order, going from January forwards, and to kind of see what you're excited about. When I'm going to list off some of these epics, you tell me which one you're buying because it's the line, and then tell me if there's any interest in the particular book. You win. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So this is actually one I think technically came out today. I've got Daredevil Epic Collection Dead Man's Hand by D.G. Chichester. This is not anyone's favorite period of Daredevil. Uh, this is this is a rough, dark horse. I'm excited to have it, um, but I know I'll probably read it once and be like, yeah, that's probably better on the shelf. Do you buy any Daredevil? This would not be... If, if you're not buying Daredevil already, this would probably not be anyone's first volume, so I'm guessing this is probably not yours. 
No, I haven't. I haven't dabbled into any of the epic Daredevil for the, the epic collections. Okay. Now, next up, I think this one's just a reprinting. We got Avengers Judgment Day by Roger Stern. I think this is already on your shelf, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already got that on the shelf. Now, when you bought it the first time around, would you? So, are you ever that person who would consider switching to a second printing? Or like a new printing? Or would it have to be something fundamental? Because sometimes they change up the paper stock. Sometimes it's different. Obviously, we've seen different um, printing houses, and that makes a huge difference. If you had quad back in the day of particular books, you might want to get the, you know, the, the new releases of those. Are you someone who kind of looks into that and says if it's worth upgrading or only if there's something majorly wrong with the first one? I think there has to be something majorly wrong. Uh, or it's collected in a way that is... Significantly different as a person who is a reader. Mm. So, if if the order that is presented or issues are added, where it really changes your connection to the story or the way that the whole thing reads, maybe. Or if if I had purchased, let's say, like um, those early Spider-Man Venom sets, mm. where you know everything about the the quality of it is just off. <laughs> you know. Something like that, maybe I'd be like, this This thing's not even going to last me. So I should, if I want to keep this, I should get one that's going to at least uh, maintain its its form, mm-hmm. right? Those things were like folding and becoming very floppy early before you even got a chance to read it. Yeah. Yeah, oh, for so sure. stuff like that. But nothing, I would never be like, ooh, second printing, maybe I should think about this once I, nah. <laughs> Barely. I um I can't remember which volume it was. It was one of the Wolverine volumes where I guess on the Epic Collection they changed where the the colored bar was on one of the printings in one of the early volumes, and I think yeah. and I know my buddy Nate had he was driving him nuts, so he had to he had to buy the, the different printing. He's like I can't I can't have this all on my shelf when there's this one that's different. Um, which, yeah. as we've talked about off off podcast today, you're okay with that because your captain is just in the middle of your epics <laughs> and it doesn't bog you. So I guess that wouldn't be the deal breaker for you. You know, it's weird because um, for some reason I feel like I've justified the ca- the, the captain's spine being there as, as like a, this is an interruption or like this was an event mm. that that kind of stands out in between all of this. And everything that you would get in the Epic Collection is already collected here, but it's one of those like, hello, this was a moment. Yeah. Like it, I justify it that way in the storytelling of my shelf, whereas yeah. I'm kind of um, kicking myself, not really, but more in the sense that the you haven't mentioned it yet because it's, it's already been released. Life Theft from mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man, I want to get that because that's something that I've, I don't think has ever been collected in that order no. at, yet. And there's some key stuff there. Not, not the most, not the <laughs> highest quality, but of that era... Those were some artwork-wise, mm-hmm. like things were shaking up for Spider-Man where it was going to affect the next big thing that happened. Like, it's contained there. So I want that series, but I don't have Maximum Carnage because <laughs> I have it in the original printing. Yeah, I have Maximum Carnage in the original trade, and I bought the Epic because I'm like, well, I can't not. Uh, yeah. I, I know they only added, like, one one-shot that no one cares about anyway. Um, but I couldn't have that naked thing on my shelf. I couldn't. I couldn't pull a captain for you, even though I know yeah. that obviously you, you know, using your own reasoning, Maximum Carnage was an event. That was a, yeah, it was a major exactly. thing. It was a fourteen-part exactly. event for no reason. Like it's a, it inspired True. a video game, inspired countless, you know, other storylines, you know, mimicking the structure and the style and the in the naming even. So yeah, no, like that one. 
if I adhere to your logic, would have been an opportunity to not replace it with the epic, but I couldn't do that to myself. <laughs> especially, well, especially not because if you look at it, if you have all, like, if what we all believe to be true is true is true, and that um, the amazing epics end with life theft, that's the last volume before the clone saga kicks in. So if we establish that to be true, and Maximum Carnage would then be the second last volume, I can't have 25 volumes or whatever perfectly in a row, and then this weird one, and then the last one. Like, that just seems wrong. Yeah, I, I hear you. It's, it's starting to bother me now. It's it's that's the thing when it's it's the nerdiest sort of conversation. But I think there is something. Maybe I'm digging too deep, but there's a psychological profiling of people who are collectors. Where mm-hmm. once you start it, what where is that OCD? Because it will it will kick in. There will be something weird about why you collect the way you collect. Yes. At some point in time. Oh yeah, for sure. I, um, for years, I didn't, I had no intention of ever buying any Fantastic Four epics. I was like, no, I don't really need that in my life. I, I have John Burns uh, run an omnibus format. And I was like, well, if I, I, and I, I've read the Stan Lee stuff, but I wasn't like, I need it on my shelf. I know that's kind of heresy to some, but I just felt like I didn't need it. And then I really thought about it over and over and I realized how much I liked Tom DeFalco on FF. And I'm like, I think I got to buy it, especially because we, you know, we just had a volume come out late this year, this flame, this fury. There's another one coming out early next year. And I was like, you know what? Fine. But then, of course, it was harder to find the new Fantastic Four volume where you have that bridge between DeFalco and Simonson. Now, thankfully, they've just announced a reprinting coming out next year, so I'll, I'll be fine. And I was able to pick up Strange Days. So that's going to be like the only FF and Epic I ever have because I realized how much I like Tom DeFalco. Well, I don't know why I didn't know this already, but I really, <laughs> I really came to realize that you know I have his his Thor with friends. I need to have his FF with Ryan, and those two on my shelf are nice, you know, really nice collections to have. They're interesting collections, um, just because you know they there's so much continuity of the period that ties into it, but they still work on their own somehow. Yeah, I get you. I I uh, that's the. I've collected the epics. Sorry, we're going on a total tangent of what you what yeah. you the list. That's what we're here for. We're still talking about epics. It's not a real tangent. Yeah. My Thor collection and epics is pretty much the DeFalco and Friends run. Like that's what I will collect mm-hmm. of the Thors and epic thus far. That's the, me, me too. In fact, you helped yeah. me do that because I was missing a volume and uh, Martin had a, a, was selling off some. I was like, oh, this is awesome because I was you know missing some of those volumes. That's the only. Uh, the Thor I intend on having. Again, I have the omnibus of Walt Simonson. And now, Me too. Same. Here's the big thing. If they reprint Thor in Epic and it has the original coloring, I'll buy it again. From Simonson? Yes. Because they yeah. recolored it in the omnibus and that always bothered me. I liked having it all in one spot, but it was it didn't look it didn't look like the original coloring because it's not. It was recolored. So I would love yeah. to have the original coloring. If they do that in the Epic format, as it originally was intended to be, I would I would probably buy that. Yeah, that's one of, that's the one of those series where having multiple versions of it it doesn't seem to I don't know, I could have numerous versions of the Walt Simonson Thor run and be fine. Like I have all five of those original mm. not original but when they recolored retreats okay. they have, I have all of those and then I said I got to have that in the omnibus form. If I'm going to be an omnibus collector that's one of those must-haves on the shelf. It's just a beautiful book. There's something to having a complete run of a creator on a book, right? Like, again, yeah. it's like having the John Byrne, having the Walt Simonson on Thor, 
uh, having Frank Miller and Daredevil, Roger Stern and Spider-Man, like, there's something very satisfying because, and you don't get this as much these days in modern books, mm-hmm. although it does prop up, cup up from time to time, like Bendis on books, like, usually he lasts for a long time. Even Jason Aaron, you know, he lasts, he ends on things for a long, long time, so you can have omnibus-worthy runs, but it's not as common anymore, but back in the day, it happened all the time. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's usually the, the, the best type to have because you get the complete vision of what someone was going for in its totality. So you don't, even the, the issues that might have been the weaker spots, they don't shine through as much because you're reading something almost like a novel, mm-hmm. like a whole journey of the character. I like, I, I prefer that. It yeah, is- okay, let's going with these epic lists. I like it. Uh, so this one, I, I, I know you've never dabbled, but I'm, I'm curious if there would ever be a point at which you'd want to dabble, which would be uh, the Conan Chronicles. So again, not not the Marvel years, but the you know the more modern stuff before the license went back to to Marvel. Is there any of that stuff that you'd ever consider? I have three of them. I no way, all, really? Yeah, I have the three the three that collect music. Oh, so wow. before they had put that out in omnibus form, I collected it all in Epic because that was the Conan that I've been told is a great place to start reading if you want to know anything about the character. It's mm. a great sort of uh, section an era of publishing of that character that is just very, very strong as far as the writing and the artist. And it's true, it is. Hmm. I've, I've thought about upgrading it to the Busick omnibus, but ah, the three the three are there on my shelf. Yeah. We have some uh, some other reprintings. We've got the Moon Knight epic collection, Shadows of the Moon. we got uh, Amazing Spider-Man epic, Spider-Man No More. Uh, do you have either of those? I have the Moon Knight. Okay. Uh, I don't have the Spider-Man no more because I have the first 104 issues of Spider-Man in omnibus form. Mm. So I'm going to stick with with that era of the series and that sort of prestige collection. Didn't stop me. I, yeah, I'm I'm kind of debating now if I collect post Stanley and for, from there on in Epic. Oh. Kind of prepared to do that, but the. Uh, I don't know. The Jerry Conway era of Spider-Man seems pretty essential too. I just uh, where do you, where do you stop? Right? You want to have twelve? I don't know. Spider-Man. You I know, like- I decided not to. I have the first three Spider-Man uh, omnibuses, and I stopped uh, yeah. partially because the epics were coming in, and I feel like I don't. The the major thing that omnibuses give me is that you get the letter pages, and that I do really enjoy. But it's such a minor thing. Um, it's yeah. not a reason to keep it. And realistically speaking, like when I want to read it, I'm going to pick up the epic. I'm not picking up the omnibus. I'm not picking up something that's going to crush my legs. You know, I'm picking up something that I can take on the go. That I can, you know, yeah. take with you know. Instead of getting that one giant, especially because I have an earlier, very early printing of the Amazing Spider-Man omnibus, so it's gigantic it's with yeah, the old yeah. paper, right? So, you know, I, I'm not going to carry that around. But I'll have two epic collections that collect the exact same stuff. So, yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's where I would go. Plus, I actually have, um, I think the first. 226 issues of Amazing Spider-Man digitally just in ma- like Masterworks that I got on like Amazing yeah, Digital Sales too. once upon a time. So like realistically speaking, that omnibus stays on my shelf. So it looks yeah. nice, but in practical sense, I don't need it. Um, whereas again, the epics for me, like I, Spider-Man was the one where I'm like, I'm going to have an entire library of Spider-Man and it's going to be amazing. No pun intended. <laughs> and that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I'm super pumped about more than any other collection. I'm excited to have certain like elements of things finally being republished. 
uh, or reprinted, I should say. I'm hoping eventually we get Spectacular Spider-Man is like the number one, it must be the number one, one of the biggest ones they get asked about because how they have not put Tim Mateus' stuff into collective format boggles my mind. It's not like he's an asshole who's like, oh, we're not going to do anything for this guy. He seems like one of the cuddliest, nicest guys in comics. He always seems to have a nice perspective on things. He doesn't. He never seems to speak ill of anyone. He's like the nicest guy. How is this guy's artwork, or sorry, writing not collected in format? So eventually, when that comes... I, I hope it's the first spectacular volume they put out. Like, it cannot be, you know, the, the 15th one eventually. Like, it has to be right up top. It's not like with Thor, with yeah. Simonson, and Daredevil with Frank Miller. They know that stuff will sell, and they know they have, an, have it in other formats. They so haven't they, put it in any format. Like, what are they, what what are they thinking? And, and it's so, any list you look at, it's always amongst the top tier stories. Even, we know Craven's last time. Okay. Yeah. Like when Nick Spencer's run on Amazing Spider-Man was happening, and he was directly referencing stuff that Demetrius had done. In fact, they were lifting pages from 200. And I'm like, how are you not reprinting this somewhere? Like, I have the old Son of the Goblin trade, and that has, like, issues 200, I think 189, but it doesn't have Child Within. Like, you cannot, you, you have to find the singles, and that's, like, it's such a beautiful, like, brilliant story. So deep, so layered, uh, some amazing artwork, and yet you can't find it anywhere. Yeah, it's really strange. It's 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 something that is. I just wonder, like, what are they waiting for? What is there another? You know, a Spider-Man movie just came out. It would have been a great time to sort of put things out that haven't been collected yet for mm-hmm. people to be like, I need this new Spider-Man because all this other stuff. After a while, like, how many more? How many more times can they reprint certain omnibus? Like, it's, doesn't everyone have this by now? I mean, you think so? Well, I always think of that about Craven's Last Hunt. Like, that thing has been... I mean, it is an evergreen. It's always going to be published, but they've always come up with new ways to do it, like Marvel Select this, and Marvel Premier Classic Hardcover yeah. this, and Deluxe Edition this. Although, I actually recently saw the contents list for the uh, Deluxe, and I don't think I'd realize what was in there. So it made me reconsider maybe buying it someday. Um, because I, I just thought, I have this in enough places, I don't need it again. Uh, but yeah, it's one of those things, like, I don't know, I also go back, like, even pre-Epic days, you know, we had Spider-Man movies that focused on Harry Osborn, how did we not get a collection about Harry Osborn? Like, again, as close as we ever got was Son of the Goblin, and that was it, and they never really went any deeper with it. And usually in Son of the Goblin, you usually have, obviously, the, you know, the Jerry Conway stuff where Harry first becomes the Goblin, and then you kind of jump forward to, you know, some of the Demetrius stuff, but you miss out on some of the best stuff. So yeah, it, it drives me crazy. Yeah, it's strange. Hurry uh, up, Marvel. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, hurry up, Marvel. Put that stuff out there. We <laughs> want it. Uh, Avengers West Coast Epic Collection, Darker Than Scarlet. I have those original trades. Me too. Yeah, so they, they look good the way it is. I I am uh, I I always consider it, but I I remember considering a lot of Avengers West Coast stuff when they were doing all the hardcovers in the Premier Classic run, and then I, eventually I just decided not to do them. And so then with Epics, I'm like, oh, this is my chance. And then they were like, buy Quad, and I'm like, no, I'll just I just won't buy it. So I don't think I'll eventually end up doing any of it. Now this one must have originally been earlier and then pushed back just because of paper delay or paper issues because we got the Hawkeye Epic Collection. Uh, which, you know, we just got a TV series, so it seems, you know, more or less well-timed. It's coming out, 
in a month, but so a month late, but still coming out. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff, you know, taking all over the place that I don't think you were going to get otherwise. Like it has the Hawkeye miniseries, which was probably not going to be in any anywhere else. You have a few selected issues of Avengers. I'm curious how they decided on exactly which ones they wanted to include. You have issues of Marvel Team Up, which is kind of cool because again, that's not really being published anywhere else at this point. Uh, then you have an issue of Cap. You have some Marvel Tales stuff, some Marvel fan fanfare, Marvel Super Action. So. As much as part of me was like, don't I have a bunch of this stuff already? Then I look at it, I'm like, no, I don't have most of this stuff. So I, it does give me pause. He's one of my favorite characters. He's my favorite Avenger. I wasn't originally considering getting it, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like, maybe I need Hawkeye on my shelf. Yeah, I, I probably would skip that. But it, it, if you are a Hawkeye fan, like if he was one of my favorite characters, would probably not be on my shelf just for the completion, like mm-hmm. to have whatever I could get my hands on. Yeah. This next one I'm really excited about just because it's a period that I have not read much of, uh, which is uh, it's the Daredevil Epic Collection going out west, collecting Daredevil 87 to 107. So he's hanging out with Black Widow in uh, San Francisco. Um, you know, this is obviously pre Frank Miller. Uh, it's post the you know that initial Stanley kind of period, uh, living in New York. Now he's written by Jerry Conway and others. Um, so I'm excited about reading this just because it's something I've, I have a very big blind spot for. Yeah, and it's what they kind of uh, based the the uh, Mark Way the fact that he moved him out there. Like there was premise for that. It wasn't the first time that had been that it had been done. That's right. So, yeah, it's, they're kind of calling back to a whole. Everyone always calls back to the Frank Miller, Brian Michael Bendis breakdown of Matt Murdock. But yeah, that's cool. That's that'd be an interesting read. Yeah. I don't know. I'm very curious about it because, again, like I haven't read it. I don't know the material. Like uh, that type of stuff. I feel like, generally speaking, I've read a lot of stuff, but Daredevil was a harder character to find. That kind of stuff. Like you know, in the mid 2000s or whenever the Git Corp CDs were coming out, you had Avengers and X Men, and like these bigger titles were being collected, and you could eventually you know read all those issues. But I don't think Daredevil ever got one. No, I don't think so either. Which you know, <clears throat> too bad. We have another Conan Chronicles coming, and then we've got, uh, I think this is just a reprinting, I could be wrong, of Thor Epic Collection to Wake the Mangog. Yeah, I think that's a reprinting. That's not not your bag? It's one of those things where if I, if I start there, how far will I want to go back, or how far will I be going forward with it? That's the only thing, because there is portions of that early Thor period that you know there's some really interesting stuff there, but it's like... Uh, I don't know. I do feel like Thor, more than most characters, is one that you could kind of parachute in and out of. Yeah. Um, in fact, depending on the well, maybe not Iron Man, because Iron Man had some really continuity-heavy periods even in the Bronze Age or late Bronze Age, but even Cap, maybe, like, you can kind of yeah. jump into those characters, jump back out, and I don't think you're going to miss too much. Like, they, I... I, I don't want to say that uh, Thor often repeats, but I think there is a you know an element of repetition that happens in his book in terms of the villains he faces and the you know always against the threat of Ragnarok, which has happened multiple times now. So I, I yeah. think you know you could jump into something like that without being you know too kind of offset. Um, another reprinting, which is a book that people have wanted for a long time, is the Daredevil Epic Collection for Heart of Darkness, um, which is this is the Andesenti John Romita Jr. run. Uh, this is you know again. One. This is the later part of it. This is 271 to 282. Not quite the end, but close to it. Um, it's a little bit nuts. It's you know, it's definitely a weird volume. It's interesting. I was listening to interviews with Chip Zdarsky, and he like loves this stuff. Like this, this is his Daredevil. Like this is when he closes his eyes, he thinks of Nascenti and Romita. 
Um, so, I mean, I'm glad that this is coming back for those who, you know, were starting to maybe buy the Nascente run after this one had already gone out of print, and now they're, you know, I'm glad that they're doing more and more of these reprintings, because, you know, we didn't see a lot of reprintings for, like, a long time, and now in the more modern epic era, you're seeing a lot of reprinting, which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a blind spot for me as well, to the post-Frank, like, I go from Frank Miller Daredevil stuff and I jump all the way forward to Kevin Smith. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big jump. Yeah, huge. But you go to the to the Brian Michael Bendis stuff, and it feels like it's just picking up from where Frank Miller left off. In a lot of ways, yeah. You're but right. I feel a lot of people are, like you said, that Ennocenti era, they have, um, it's very important to them, that era of Daredevil. I would say from um a born-again standpoint that uh, not not this run, but the run right after it with T.G. Chichester, when he first starts the lead-up to 300, that, that four or five issues, I think it's four issues, is the fantastic uh, kind of bookend to what started in Born Again. Like, it feels like the natural conclusion. Um, you know, over almost 70 issues had transpired at that point, but finally we had a, a proper kind of ending to that story that started there. Um, so I, I would say I know you were like jumping forward to Guardian Devil and that kind of stuff, but uh, I would uh, at least take a, a brief um, hiatus from that and go, oh wait, this Chichester stuff is really good because uh, Last Rites is the name of the storyline, and I think the name of the epic collection it's really good. Uh, another another reprinting because we're getting a ton. Um, we got Moon Knight uh, epic collection Final Rest. Do you own this one already as well? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, then we got some new stuff. We got uh, now. This is extremely modern considering the epic collections. We got the Excalibur epic collection, the Battle for Britain. So this is getting right up to the end of the Excalibur run. This is uh, right up to not quite the end, but close to it. It runs up to issue one fifteen. The series ran to issue one twenty five. So this is late nineties. Uh, it also has Kitty Pride, Agent of Shield, uh, which is a, a miniseries that happened. You have a, another miniseries called New Mutants: Truth or Death, and you also have. Uh, another Colossus one-shot. So are you in on any of this Excalibur stuff, or is this a little bit too bizarre? I have the first two Excalibur volumes. Uh, I might I might collect, if I don't wait too long, up until like when Alan Davis mm. uh, continues and, and completes whatever he did with the, with the book, but after that, I don't think I would... Like, I wouldn't collect the whole series, though. It'd be that, that's too, like, out there for me. <laughs> <laughs> After that, we have, uh, speaking of Roger Stern, we mentioned earlier, he's one of the writers yeah. on Doctor Strange, The Reality War. So this is late 70s Doctor Strange, which is, again, probably a character I know relatively little about. Also think it's a character that you can parachute in and out of, depending on the creator or who you want to read about. I've um, heard good things about that story, the Roger Stern stuff. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, he, he had an interesting kind of run on the character. Again, late 70s. Also in this book, you have a Man-Thing issue. You got material from Chamber of Chills. You got, uh, you know, an issue of Defenders thrown in. So it's an interesting kind of uh, collection of, of material. Again, I, I don't own any Doctor Strange epics. I have the first Doctor Strange uh, omnibus uh, by Dicko, but I've kind of steered away. But I have heard good things about Stern's run on the character, for sure. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I have very, very little experience with the character, and I'm, I've always thought about like if I were, what, what would be, you know, an essential starting on point that would, that you would kind of feel, I don't know, the, the reverberations of like that character. Like I guess the the era that ties into the Infinity Gauntlet would be an interesting one because he's kind of like a prime character during those events. But I, I, I really don't know. Where, where I would start with something like Doctor Strange I might 
be interested in the Roger Stern because I don't he wasn't there for a long period of time if I'm right a short window but he really enjoyed doing those writing duties at the time oh for sure yeah uh, next up, this one I am buying myself. We got the Fantastic Four again, another another volume by DeFalco and Ryan. Uh, this is uh, Nobody Gets Out Alive, so this collects uh, three seventy seven to three ninety two. So you got the death of Reed in there. Spoilers for a very old story. Um, and I, again, this is a period. I actually I'm really excited about the one after this, which we haven't seen solicited yet because it has my the very first FF issue I ever read. Which is, I think, want to say three ninety four or three ninety six. So it's so close to this, uh, but it's in the bucket of shame era. Um, so you have, you know, it's, it's you have a lot of uh, the thing like this again. You have Reed dying, so you have the Fantastic Three for a little bit. Um, it, you know, it's a fun. I, I, I think Defalco just has a fun time kind of throwing stuff at characters and letting them have crazy adventures. And I'm excited to see more of that. I haven't read all of these issues, but I'm definitely excited to again be able to kind of read it in sequential format because I remember reading a number of these kind of out of out of sequence, seeing them at friends' houses, etc. Later and being like, you know, but not really understanding everything from you know in a in a proper sequence. So I'm excited to finally be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I haven't read any of the Falco's Fantastic Four, not because it, it's it's. I've heard that it's good or bad. It's just I have no sort of like in my head a reason to go there other than liking DeFalco. Hmm. Which might but be I, enough. I mean, you're a big fan yeah. of DeFalco. Yeah, exactly. That would be the only reason. But I don't have like, ah, I got to get that and read those stories. It hasn't occurred to me with with him and the Fantastic Four. He was on that book for like 100 issues, right? Uh, no, it wasn't 100. Uh, it was about... It was significant, though. It ended with 416, so there's 16 there. And then I think he came on around 358. Okay. So, well, still almost 60. Like, you know, almost five years. Yeah. Yeah, he spent some time there. Like, it was a good chunk of... Oh, for sure. He he put his imprint on those characters. Yeah. It's interesting, too, right? Because he would have been writing that while he was editor-in-chief. I don't know mm-hmm. if he was writing it when he... I don't know if he was editor-in-chief when he started writing it, but I'm pretty sure when he stopped writing it, he wasn't editor-in-chief anymore. So that's an interesting <laughs> charting the progress that, like, you know, this series... True. He started out as the editor, you know, as maybe just being an executive editor and also writing. Then he became editor-in-chief, and then he wasn't an editor-in-chief anymore. But he was still writing a bunch of books. And That's funny that, that, that you break it down like that, because I think if you are... There is a difference... It shouldn't really matter because a good story is a good story. But when you do read these sequential, you know, serialized books that never stopped and you keep in mind, like, at this point, this is what was happening backstage. So here's why this story is being told. And when you realize what the writer had to do and work with, like, that's a pretty good story, all things considered. Mm -hmm. It kind of changes your interaction with just being upset about it to what you can appreciate from it. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, I think my maturation as a as a comic reader has been understanding what that back, you know, those back doors look like. Uh, yeah. Or the back room, you know, kind of shenanigans that go on there. Uh, yeah. And doing interviews with people and finding out what was really going on has really given me, you know, a lot more respect, even for stuff I didn't like. Because, you know, first of all, and I think this is the thing we always forget, no one sets out to make a bad comic. Everyone wants no. to do their best work. Um, but also, exactly. they do have insane deadlines. Sometimes they're taking on too many projects, 
because they have to. They have to. They have a life. You know, they have a, a family to support. Like you don't know what the situations are. Like I remember talking to Mike Diodato, and he was like, "Yeah, my stuff in the late '90s wasn't very good." He's like, I, "I was I was taking on too many tasks. I thought I could do everything, and I could do nothing." And you know, and that that's pretty big of someone to be able to kind of admit that, and so, you know, a creative person say like, "I could have been doing better." This is why I I didn't, but also cognizant enough of well, this is why I'm better now because I learned right. how to say no. I learned how to say, like, I, I'm not going to work on this project because I have to focus on this one. And that seems obvious, but it's not if you're a freelancer. You're taking the, the gigs when they come, and you don't know where the next one's going to come from. So if someone's giving you tons of work, you're going to take it, even if that means yeah. the work might suffer because you need the work, and you don't know where the next one is coming. So, yeah, no, it's interesting how that does inform the way you view art in a different way. Yeah, for sure. There's the story within the creation of it all. That's right. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have the Avengers Epic Collection, The Crossing Line. So this is covering issues 319 to 30, 333. So I would say no one talks about this as kind of a high watermark for the Avengers, uh, just kind of, you know, kind of moving moving things along. Do you have any connection to this period? Do you recall it at all? No, I, I, I just know that this you said The Crossing? The Crossing Line, the, not The, the crossing. crossing. So this is oh, much line. earlier. Okay, 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 okay. Um, Not to no. be mistaken with that period. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, this is during Bob Harris' time. Uh, I think it's actually technically bef- just before. I, I know Fabian Nicias is credited as well. I think Gruenwald did a few issues as well. Yeah, I think I'll. Uh, my plan is and is to collect Avengers from the Stanley jack kirby original like number volume one all the way to the end of um roger stern mm, i think that's okay. i'm gonna collect that chunk of avengers in epic format and then after that i think the book is kind of hit or miss right like you i know some people really like the 90s era with epting and, and bob harris on the book it's kind of like uh you know some people's era of avengers mm-hmm. for me not so much okay uh, next up we got, and I believe this is a reprint, and uh, someone's yelling at me somewhere listening to the podcast, being like, how do you not know this? Uh, we got the Thor epic collection, The Wrath of Odin. I believe this is a reprint. Uh, is, it, is this with uh, Jerry Conway Buscema? Is this the first? This might be. This is issues 131 to 153. Oh. No, I, I don't think that. Oh, this, no, is, I, this is Lee Kirby, maybe. sorry. Yeah. I think it is. I think this is reprinted. Yes. Uh, now this one, I I don't think it's a reprint, but maybe it is. And again, I, I wasn't following Captain America. We got Captain America: The Bloodstone Hunt. Reprint. It is yeah. a reprint. I have the yeah. original Bloodstone. Well, not the original. I have maybe. Oh, maybe I used to have the original original Bloodstone Hunt, and then I had the more modern one that was released maybe a decade or so ago. So I never ended up buying this. Then uh, now this one, I believe, is new. You got Captain America: Arena of Death. So this is covering issues 411 to 419. It also has four issues of U.S. Agent. Um, mm. And also has a, an issue of Silver Sable in the Wild Pack, which you're not going to find anywhere else. <laughs> so, wow, Silver Sable. Wow, okay, yeah. Is that's, that still Gruenwald era? Yeah, that's late Gruenwald. That's after uh, Cap Wolf, but for a lot of people that's when the book started going downhill. But before Fighting yeah. Chance, which is definitely not the high point. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're into Mark Gruenwald, there's no reason not to buy it. It is the reason I'm collect most of the Captain America epic stuff is to have the Gruenwald chunk of Cap. I know not all of it is great, but it's a good, clean way to kind of collect mm-hmm. what, 10 years, a decade's worth. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip past Star Wars because I know that we, neither of us are buying those epics. 
then we have the X-Men Epic Collection, Bishop's Crossing. Now, it's interesting, though, we're Canadian, obviously, so I'm looking at, you know, prices, uh, Canadian prices, but these books are so expensive now because uh, the price point has gone up. And so now this is only, this is $62 pre-order. Oh, man. And you're getting only eight issues of Uncanny X-Men. You're getting an annual. You're getting X-Men, so you're getting six issues of uh, Adjectiveless X-Men. And then you're also getting an X-Men annual and two issues of Ghost Rider. So this is interesting because this is everyone always thought you're not going to go past this point um, because this is where the books start to get you know kind of separate. They're not all one ongoing story, but eventually crossovers are going to start happening. And yet we get this volume, and now we're getting X-Men and Uncanny in the same volume. So we're not pushing too far forward in terms of the timeline in terms of the year we're getting but we are getting both books moving together so it's fascinating to see i guess this is how they decided to run it and um and i I think probably the the writing was on the wall because when you already have a collection called x-men how are you going to have another parallel x-men collection uh you, you wouldn't be able to do that so uh, people thought they'd end at you know 280 or whatever but instead here we go right on to the post claremont era is this something you would ever purchase or no I have the Bishop's Crossing and like it really depends on how you put things on your shelf at this point when you're <laughs> this deep into collecting, right? This is really, really nerdy talk. Because you're you're now looking at um the Extinction Agenda, mm-hmm. the Executioner Song and Bishop's Crossing have a certain sort of uh trim on it to kind of like this goes sort of together in mm-hmm. a in a certain time. If you read these in sort of this order, you're kind of following a, a era or storyline of X-Men. But that's the point. Like after you, you get into, um, I would say, Inferno, the book starts to splinter off where more often than not, you're going to have to check in mm-hmm. on those other books to kind of know the narrative. You don't necessarily have to buy them all, but you're going to be checking in whether you like it or not. And it becomes a difficult time to to collect X-Men in a way that makes sense at some point. Do you find that? Uh, I don't know if I would say it starts that early. Like, I mean, obviously there's a lot of crossovers to stuff like Inferno, and but I, I feel like you don't need the check-in. Um, and even when you get, like, the Mirror Island saga, which is not that long after, I feel like they give you enough to kind of to get where you're going. Um, but I think after that, it starts to become more true. Um, now, again, when I would say for the first maybe year, I don't think you needed to have this cross pollination right away. Um, because you're not having stories in Uncanny and X-Men, um, you know, dovetailing right away, at least not for the first 14 issues. Uh, after that, then you're start hitting crossover country. Um, and then, you know, you can never really turn back. And then you need to be checking in on both because what started out as a good idea that you had two separate teams and two different books and they didn't mingle, suddenly they're mingling a lot and the, and the, the, the lines between teams starts to become muddied and then they're all just one big amorphous blob of X-Men. Um, and I, in a lot of ways that never stopped. Um, you know, every once in a while we'll get like, oh, we're going to, you know, put these lines down and this is X-Men gold, this is X-Men blue, this is X-Men red. But inevitably they're going to start melting together again because they can't help it. Even though there's so many X-Men, you could ha- have all these separate books without any crossover at all, uh, or in terms of characters, not necessarily thematically. But yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, I'm not buying the X-Men ones. It's one of those things where I, I do think about it from time to time. Um, I have the 
four omnibuses, I guess, and then I just find it so hard to collect because they did so many different ways to collect it over the years. They had some were omnibuses, in, but they weren't called omnibuses, and then later they were called omnibuses. They came out with all these different size of hardcovers, then they would have some soft covers. It's such a mess. I guess in theory yeah. the Epics is nicer because it does clean it all up, and you can just follow the you know this one trim all the way forward. Um, but I would have to go back in time to make myself buy them, uh, so that I wouldn't have to pay aftermarket prices. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's I didn't decide to do it, and I guess I'm not going to do it. Yeah, it's. It, I have a couple of stuff that were filling in gaps for me, like in my reading of X Men prior to uh, certain things being reformatted in in hardcover omnibus form. I was putting together like a reading order. And some of that reading order was only available at that time in the epic format. So mm. I bought those X-Men um, epics to see, like, okay, this is the window of time to connect from here to here. It'll give me enough to know what's going on. But I think when they released the fifth Omnibus, um, there's there's a quite a nice chunk of time all collected there where you won't really need those epics. No, that's have true. And, and the other cool thing about those collections is that they have the uh, miniseries, whether it was like mm. the Frank Miller, Claremont Wolverine will be added in or Avengers and X-Men storylines. Like they start throwing those things into those Omnis, which is like a nice little way to, okay, I got everything that was happening at that time. True. Yeah. Now, this next one, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I'm just curious how you feel about it, because I know a lot of people online were kind of like, well, this is just a ton of ex- this ton of stuff we're getting elsewhere, um, which is the Carnage Epic Collection. Um, yeah, no. No interest. <laughs> no interest. Eh? I'm intrigued by it. I, I'm not going to buy it, mostly because I will have some of the other collections that have stuff that's printed here. But I do think it's interesting that we're getting, you know, if someone just really liked Carnage, you could just kind of get the major appearances all in one spot. Not including, I guess, Maximum Carnage, but I don't think it's included in there. But uh, it's interesting to kind of have this other kind of smorgasbord of stuff. I feel the same way about Venom. Like, I glad they exist for those fans of those characters. I yeah. don't feel the need for it, but yeah. myself. But I'm glad it exists because if you're a Carnage fan, here's your it's something you're waiting yeah, for forever. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, we have the Conan the Barbarian Epic Collection, the original Marvel years. They've been really pumping this thing out. Um, yeah. Although they're they're so thin. There are not a lot of issues in them, and that's the only thing that bugs me. I do, I am picking them up, though. I have all of them yeah. so far. I haven't okay. read them all. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, I never knew a lot about Conan. And then I was getting Conan when Jason Aaron was writing it, and I had was getting Savage Sword at the same time, and then I was buying the most recent run by uh, Jim Zub before it ended, and now I'm reading King Thor, and I'm like, you know, I'm oh, sorry, King, uh, King Conan. I'm like, you know what? I would like to read the Marvel stuff. Um, I just wish the they weren't quite as, as thin for the price, that's all. Yeah, but but the the artwork, like the writing team of the writer and artist of that time was top notch guys between Barry Windsor Smith and John Buscema, and I think I'm forgetting some people that were mainstays on that book. But they were doing what they wanted. It was a little bit more creative freedom too. When you read that, mm-hmm. at a time when a lot of it was tailored to kids, oh, this yeah. was this was a touch. You can you can sense the touch of this was a little bit more adult. Oh, for sure. I'm I'm surprised in some ways that this is one of the few. Not all most epics don't follow this route, where you're actually getting everything chronologically. Like they're just volume one, two, three, four. Like and they're pumping it out fast. Like as I said, like I already have four (laughs) volumes. I think a fifth one's about to come out. Then we have this 
this other one, like it just they're not they're not I guess because they don't know how long they're gonna have the, the ability to do so. So they're just yeah. like we gotta get these out while we still can. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Omnis are on like the eighth volume or something, like it's nuts. Yeah, and if there and if you miss it, it seems like everyone is going crazy for those out of print stuff for mm-hmm. Conan because, like you said, you don't know when when you'll get it again. That's right. Now we have uh, we have X Force Epic Collection. I'm guessing this is not your bag. No, this one's late, very late. This is uh, Zero Tolerance is the name of the Epic Collection, so it's collecting when it went through the Zero Tolerance period. Uh, this is issue sixty seven to eighty four. So this is, I think, the second last volume you're going to get. Okay, I have that. Col- I have the zero tolerance in uh, milestone. So oh, I have. Okay. Yeah, I'll be getting this. You got? I, I thought you were against the milestones because they were. I was. I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> well, I'm not calling you a hypocrite. I just I was surprised because <laughs> I just didn't think you you partook partook of it. Again, it was one of those things where it was the best way to continue the the reading experience. Like mm. this is collecting something, and now I'm looking at my inferno, and I like that collection quite a bit, but. It's the one. It'll be like the sore thumb of of uh, omnibus that I don't have, and I'm really considering just getting that omnibus for X Men because I have the prologue. It's like, why well, have the prologue if you're not going to have the main one? Right. But yeah, first world problems. Oh, absolutely. I mean, everything we're going to talk about generally is. Would, yes. Is there anything you would ever like? Is there any of X Force that you would ever want to buy? In Epic, or is that just a, a series that you're e- e- very easily able to say, nope, not not my cup of tea, I'll, I'll never want to touch this? You know what, to be quite honest with you, there isn't really a line that I probably wouldn't fall down the rabbit hole if uh, I listened to the right podcast with a creator, <laughs> or, you know, if for some reason it was listed, like, there very well could be and then once I start I don't know where hmm. where I'll end so I almost like don't do it just don't start collecting that and it won't be a problem alright <laughs> that's true uh, in uh, in April we've got two Thor epic collections coming out at the same time we got one by Len Wein which is War of the Gods and then we also have a reprint by, with the original Stanley stuff which is the first volume of Thor mm, take a probably, pass probably skip yeah uh, speaking of reprints, I'm pretty sure this is a reprint. We've got the Avengers Epic Collection, the Avengers and Defenders War by Steve Englehart. Got that. That's a good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, I, there's sure. the, I don't know when this one comes out from the event. I, are you going in order of release? I'm going release date order, yeah. Okay, keep going. All right. Next up, now this one we've seen in like the, the old kind of thick, hard, uh, sorry, thick soft covers, but now we're finally getting an epic. We've got the Incredible Hulk Crossroads by Bill Mantlo, and this is having... Uh, issue what two ninety seven to three thirteen, so right before I guess, or right as John Burns coming on uh, at the tail end of that. But also you have the big battle in the issue three hundred. That was a, a hallmark for a long time of seeing Hulk kind of against everyone, or at least everyone in the eighties Marvel. Um, would you ever pick up that? Probably not. I like I like having my my extensive Hulk collection begin with Peter David. Mm. For- Nothing wrong with that. We have. Mm-hmm. Uh, now this is again one of your favorite writers, J.M. DeMatteis. Uh, he's the writer on X Factor Epic Collection Afterlives, which is a weird period. It's issues one hundred one to one eleven, so right before Age of Apocalypse starts. Um, you also have in here what you got: uh, Spider Man and X Factor Shadow Games, which is weird that it's. I guess it makes sense, but it's just, it's a weird inclusion. You have an issue of X Force, an issue of Excalibur, um, and you have an annual as well. Probably skip. Yeah, this is not 
probably the stuff I would read. I'm really excited eventually to get the X Factor stuff that comes after this. Um, I have a lot of it, you know, somewhere in my in my boxes. But um, the after Age of Apocalypse, I would definitely uh, consider buying those epics again. I have no real need for the other ones. I like you know the stuff by Peter David. I like some of the stuff by Demetrius, but I don't love the team. And so I don't find the need to kind of follow the adventures of those characters. But again, after Age of Apocalypse, I would consider it because I remember having an affinity for those. Now, we have Steve Englehart on Silver Surfer in the epic collection called Parable. Uh, How would you feel about Silver Surfer? I think you're on and off, aren't you? Definitely going to get this. Okay. Because I have the first 14 issues, Freedom, Silver Surfer Freedom from Englehart. What is this goal? What is this... Uh, these issues, where do they go up to? What this issue? goes up to, let's see, it's issues 15 to 23. Huh. That's it, eh? And, and then what else is included in it? A bunch of other stuff. Uh, let's see, in this, uh, the other extras here are uh, an annual, you have, two annual, sorry, you have an issue of Fantastic Four. Ah, you have the Silver Surfer Marvel graphic novel, so I guess that's the Stanley Mobius uh, Parables uh, one-shot. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm collecting f- from Engelhart stuff because I have the Silver Surfer, Stanley Buscema omnibus. I don't need to get that. It's it's stupid because they they collect the Engel not stupid Engelhart's number three in the Epic Collection volumes, but the first two volumes I would not have. I'd be missing one and two just because I have all of that stuff in better formats. Mm. Like, I have it in the Fantastic Four uh, omnibus. Because I think a lot of the a lot of the Silver Surfer things that are collected in that first epic collection, none of them are Silver Surfer titles. Hmm. All in the Fantastic Four features. Yeah. But the Engelhart stuff is actually really good good stuff. It's fun. Well, it's Engelhart. I always yeah. love that guy. <laughs> Him and Marshall Rogers, right? I think... From the first right. 14, yeah. yeah. It's good stuff, man. And then it goes into the Jim Starlin uh, era. So it's a good chunk of Silver Surfer reading, if you like that character. All right. Next up, we have the She-Hulk epic collection, Breaking the Fourth Wall. Maybe. You, you like John Byrne. I do like John Byrne, and I know that the stuff that he was doing on She-Hulk then was kind of fresh. It was groundbreaking for the time. Exactly, yeah. I, I always see these rumors pop up, and I, I hope it's true. I hope it does happen that in the She-Hulk series, at the very end of the series, uh, she confronts Kevin Feige and makes him rewrite something. That would be cool. Because that, I mean, that that's that's what the comics were, right? Like that was that was the you know she spoke right to John. She wrote spoke right to John Byrne and had him change things and didn't always like the direction the stories were going. Like she was Deadpool before Deadpool was a thing. I was going to say that. Yeah, that's yeah. It's kind of a cool era of writing that no one I don't think anyone had really done before on a mainstream character like that not like that like people had been reverential and kind of breaking that fourth wall a little we'd started to see that and obviously with things like you know Grant Morrison explored that kind of stuff before too right but not like actually just kind of talking to you and being like come on why are you doing this like why is this the adventure I'm having and having you know talking to the writer that's very different Uh, next up we have a ghost writer so I, this is interesting. Like I've never read a lot of the original Ghost Rider stuff. I would consider it. Maybe, maybe never I, read it. I would Not be more part. interested if it was the you know the 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 nineties book, uh, just because I know I remember seeing more of that. But I, I can honestly say, like everything I would read in this, if I read it, would be fresh. Yeah, 
not necessarily good, but definitely fresh. That's the thing. Yeah, I, I would don't I don't know how I feel about the character Ghost Rider, but not on my radar. But maybe. Yeah. Uh, next up, I know this is definitely Reprint City. We got Avengers Epic Collection Operation Galactic Storm. We also mm-hmm. have Wolverine Epic Collection Magipore Knights. So again, more reprints. Now I think you have the Gal- uh, Galactic Storm already, don't you? I have it in the original um, trade, the two volume trades. I'm not sure why I have like a soft spot for that look, but um, that was the look. That was the house look for a long time with that kind of green spine, right? Yeah. I don't know why I like seeing the event, the Galactic Storm collected that way, but it would make a lot more sense for me to have it in the in the uh, Epic Collection. Although that comes after my sort of window where I plan it to plan to collect. That's so I don't know. Uh, we have Iron Man Epic Collection. Uh, this is called Battle Royal. This is uh, very, I believe, early Bronze Age. Or it's issues forty-seven to sixty-seven, so I think this is like just very early seventies. Um, so I'm probably not going to buy this. I when I I did not buy Iron Man originally, and then I was like, you know what? I really do like Iron Man, but I think I'm going to start start around the kind of one hundred and tens or so. So this is kind of before my my jumping on period, but uh, I definitely did consider it, but. Ultimately, I think it's you know not the most memorable stuff and not stuff that comes up as much. Right, right, right. No, not on my radar either. Um, what month are we in right now? Oh, we're we're in May, my friend. <laughs> Let's do it. Are right. we going to go through the whole year? Oh well, no. We're going to go as far as they have. Okay, okay, okay. Then Where do they to, stop? I think it runs until about August, so we're we're not that far off. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You're like, man, I want to stop this right now. No, I was just thinking, like, we're, this is going to be a marathon. Let's go. This, this, is, this, is, this is the episode. I went into this thinking this could be the episode, and this is what it is. Okay. Uh, we got Generation X Epic Collection and Plates Revenge. So this is, I believe, the second volume uh, coming off of last year's first volume. So this is issues 10 to 23. No, no sort of connection to this. I don't know the characters enough. Uh, I read here and there a few issues... Um, it was never my favorite book, but I know like Curtis loves it, and I feel like that that infectious love for something makes me want to love it too, even if I don't necessarily love it. But I haven't bought the first volume. I'd have to buy it first before I made this decision. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Sometimes a person's love for something makes you say, "I'll try." It. It's the way it's the, I, I felt for that when you were talking about um, Mark Wade and Jerry Duggan's uh, Hulk with Mark yeah. Bag. Fell for it. Went and bought it. Did you enjoy it? I did. Okay. I did enjoy it. Because that would be the sad end of that story. I was like, no, no I, I hated it. it. Thanks a lot for nothing. No, no. I, I, it, I'm, you, even when I, there's very few things where I dislike them and I have to, and I'll like, man, I didn't like that. Very few when it comes to comics. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got another reprinting of the Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection, Great Power, which is volume one. So again, always, always in print. Uh, then we got the New Mutants Epic Collection, The End of the Beginning. Uh, which, as it says, this is the you know the the last volume, uh, collecting issues ninety five to hundred of New Mutants. It also has an AFU annuals, has three issues of Uncanny X Men, three issues of X Factor, uh, and then uh, again, a smattering of annuals. But this is basically this is the end for New Mutants. It's also the first appearance of Deadpool, um, so he gets to show up in issue ninety eight. Mm, okay. So fa- fans of kind of. You know the pre X X Force X Force. They you know should pick up this because this is where you really see what the, will, will become that team created. Obviously, that would have started in the volume before this when you introduced yeah. Cable, but uh, it continues here. 
Okay. Next up, we got the uh, Wolverine Epic Collection called Tooth and Claw. Now, this one I'm very intrigued by just because I remember reading some of these issues. This is in and around Onslaught. This is issues 101 to 109. Um, also 102.4, sorry, 102.5, which I guess was a, a Wizard exclusive at some point. He got a Wolverine Annual. He got an issue of Uncanny X-Men, which was actually the first issue of Uncanny X-Men that I ever bought, which was 332, which was then um, continued into Wolverine 101, which was the first and only issue of Wolverine I owned for quite a long time. Uh, I also have a Venom Tooth and Claw miniseries, so it's weird to have a Venom miniseries here, but I guess Wolverine plays a prominent part, so that's why it's here. Uh, and then you have a, a one-shot called Logan Path of the Warlord, and also Logan Shadow Society. So this, I don't even buy Wolverine, but I am definitely had to consider this. Really? Yeah. Just because of all the extra stuff. And, no, and the- it's that period, you know, this is a really interesting period where Wolverine is all deformed uh, because of what happens to him because of Genesis. So he's you know, doesn't have his nose, he's not really, he doesn't feel like a man anymore, he's more monster or like animal than man. He has this kind of uh, brief attraction and, and kind of dalliance with Elektra, who becomes a, who comes into the book. Um, it's by Larry Hama at times. Uh, it's really interesting. It gets different. Um, you don't, you know, I, I'm very intrigued by it. Um, I'm more intrigued by the actual issues than the kind of extras. Okay. I get you. I get you. Uh, next up is another reprint. Now we're in June, so don't worry. We're in late June. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're running through. We got Excalibur. Uh, the sword is drawn. So again, you already have the first volume of, yeah. of Excalibur. So this is another reprint. Um, we have a new volume coming out in uh, let's see, June twenty eighth. We have Amazing Spider Man Epic Collection Man Wolf at Midnight. So this is uh, right after or a couple issues after uh, Gwen has died. So we already have the volume before this, so we can keep going. Yeah, um, I'll definitely be getting this. And this is Jerry Conway, you know. This is it's interesting because of the epic collections. You end up, you know, ending it partway through the Clone Gwen period. Um, you know, she's back in the book. I think she's back by now, uh, or maybe it's an issue or two later. But I'm really interested in, in this stuff. You also have again that the first Harry Osborn as Green Goblin stuff happens near. This have, is a good collection. Yeah, this is this is good primo stuff. You have the beginning of the Mary Jane and Peter relationship. You have their first kiss at the airport. Like some iconic moments are here. Some silly moments too. We also have the first appearance of the Punisher. So like, I'm actually surprised. That I'm surprised they named it after Man Wolf. Man Wolf at midnight, and you have Hammerhead on the cover and the Spider Mobile. So of all yeah. the things you could put on the cover, you have a cover with uh, Hammerhead, the Spider Mobile, and the Jackal instead of the Punisher. That's the one. That's the one thing that always kind of put me off of the epic collections originally the I, weird I, cover choices it was like what does this collect is, does this collect chunks that nobody wants that's what I used to think originally like because one of the first amazing spider-mans were the cosmic adventures oh yeah like, what who who wants this particular I mean I ended up buying it but in my head I'm like maybe this is just a, like a, a line that collects the unwanted yeah. stuff that I bought it much later because the uh, same idea. I was like, I don't really want this, but I wanted yeah. the one. The next one after that was Ghost of the Past, which was exactly. Friends in the Falco. I'm like, well, I want this. Give me more yes. of this stuff. And that that book f- from Friends in the Falco sold me on the epic line as a whole to say, okay, this collects primo stuff. Don't be fooled by the title or the cover. Like, look at the actual contents because the one that we're talking about now with the continuation of the Jerry Conway run you get I don't know why they didn't name it something to do with the Harry Osborne 
Green Goblin. Yeah. There's so many choices, right? Yeah. Uh, next up, we got Captain America, Sturman Drang. Uh, this is uh, Captain America 286 to 301, otherwise known as the, the end of Demetrius's run on Cap, uh, which has already been collected in other formats. Um, but are you going to? Yeah, Definitely. you're picking this up. Yeah, I, I kind of figured you would. Uh, we got another Star Wars one. We have Avengers Epic Collection Kang War. Uh, Definitely getting that too. Really? Okay. Oh, this is 129 to 149. So, again, in and around the Celestial Madonna, that kind of stuff by Englehart. So, this is very, for, to a lot of people, this is like core classic Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, the, again, the title and what it collects is misleading because I think a lot of that is the Celestial Madonna. That's I'm surprised right. Surprised to name it that. Even um, the, the Avengers. The what's it called there? Beachfront, beachhead Earth, like that is Kree Scroll War. It's Kree Scroll War. I don't know why they didn't name it that. They I went, mean, with, well, it, the, they went with the classic title, you know. Like I know, yeah, fair enough. Uh, in the July, we have, as I mentioned earlier, the new Fantastic Four uh, epic collection. Um, so that's the beginning of. DeFalco's run and also the end of the Simonson stuff, so they're reprinting that, so I'm excited about that. We got Captain America Hero or Hoax, so this is a reprint as well, so we're going back to the well on kind of that earlier Captain America stuff. Um, we have Power Man and Iron Fist, um, epic collection called Hardball, which I believe is the end of that original run. So it's issues 108 to 125 of Power Man and Iron Fist. Cool. Okay. <laughs> You're like, who cares? <laughs> I mean, I know Kurt Busick was on the... Um the third yeah. Power Man Iron Fist that they released was his early writing stuff. So for people who, I mean, it's not like those stories didn't have some impact on the Marvel line. I have the first, I have Power Man Iron Fist, uh, Heroes for Hire and Revenge. So it's mm-hmm. not like I'm opposed to the line. Yeah, Christopher Priest is the uh, one of the authors here. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, I mean, Owsley at the time, but... Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, we got Doctor Strange Epic Collection Infinity War. This okay. is... Now, this is not what it sounds like, because, well, I guess it is. It is the stuff that happens in and around Infinity War. So I guess this is, if you were going to read uh, Doctor Strange, this is the stuff you might actually want. Okay. Yeah. Roy <sighs> Thomas writing it, too. Classic, really? Classic Roy. Well, I mean, he was back at Marvel writing stuff, right? He, was, he wrote a bunch of Avengers West Coast. He was writing some of Doctor Strange. Yeah. Is it, do you know anything? I mean, you may or may not know, but um, the era of Peter Gillis writing... Doctor Strange. I don't. Any, no one or anything. Okay. Again, giant blind spot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we got Fantastic Four, uh, The Mystery of the Black Panther. So this is issue 68 to 87. So this is in the middle of Lee and Kirby. Yep. Got that in omnibus form. So you're good. I'm good. <laughs> uh, okay. We got Daredevil Epic Collection. Now we actually finally have the, the true beginning of the Innocente run. It's uh, an epic collection that's called It Comes with the Claws. Uh, the cover is, again, if it's going to be this cover, it's a cover that has Sabretooth on it, which is bizarre, because it's in the middle of Mutant Massacre. It's a tie-in to Mutant Massacre, yeah. so you've probably read yeah. it elsewhere. It literally is the first issue after Born Again up into 2 of 52, which is, uh, you know again, starting uh, in the middle of uh, Innocente's run. There's some odd stuff in here. I think there's a Steve Ditko one-shot, or maybe that was later. Um, it's not the best Daredevil stuff. Again, it's transitory. And then in the middle of finding a new creative team, and then they do, and that's where you kind of, at the end of this book, is when you start to have Anna Senti writing of a John Romita. Yeah, I mean, the, when we go through these lists, it really, what really impresses upon me what's good about the Epic Collection is that it allows people who really love certain characters or certain titles to dig in 
and get their fix on the good, the bad, all of it with an epic collection because the transition, the transitional sort of thing that you go through, even with, um, they don't really care who the writer is going into a book or how many issues hmm. they'll have. Like with the J.M. DeMatteis, his run begins on Dawn's early light for Captain America, but that's the middle of right after Stern and Burn. Yeah. But if you love Captain America as a character, these epic collections, you'll go through all of it. It's it's fun to, to kind of see the way it's collected that way. Yeah. Uh, now we're almost we're almost at the done, at the end of the list. Are you ready for okay. this? I'm ready. <laughs> so we have another King Conan Chronicles, um, right. and then we have a, another reprint X Men Epic Collection Dissolution and Rebirth, which again for a lot of people is the stuff that's really hard to find. Uh, I have. That's one of the, I have. Yeah. It hasn't been reprinted that often. I mean, it's been... I mean, literally before the epics, you could find it in an omnibus only because you had it in the second uh, Claremont and Lee omnibus for X-Men. Um, but before that, you couldn't really see it anywhere. This was just odd stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's true. And, and it is an odd era of the Claremont run. It's There's no team. Yeah, it's it's a weird era of X Men for sure. It's but just people walking around, like you know, doing stuff. Like there's no X Men team proper. <clears throat> no, it's just the title where you'll find X Men, but there isn't. You're right. <laughs> it's exactly what it felt like. It was very strange, but it did lay the groundwork for things that became important in the mythos. So it, the last one we have on this list that we know of, that's or at least it's up for you know uh, pre order at Amazon. Uh, we have. Uh, another Fantastic Four. This is Annihilus Revealed. This is issues 126 to 146, so not long after Stanley has left the book. Um, and now you have Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway taking the reins. Um, and again, this is you know a transitory period, but it's stuff I've never really read much of, so I'm intri- intrigued by it. I don't know if it's enough to pick it up, um, but I'm at least interested in some of the material. Yeah. I don't know. I think with Fantastic Four, again, you got to really love the team. I feel with with that, with them, maybe I'm wrong, but it's like Lee and Kirby, and then the next time where that book is like a must-own series is John Byrne. Yeah, which means you have like 115 issues of, you know, fine stuff, but not... I mean. Yeah. Like not it's definitive not... yet. It doesn't become like a definitive era until... I would say John Byrne. And a lot, of, a lot of books have that, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. even I mean, Daredevil arguably has the first like 160 issues where it's not really a memorable book. Um, Amazing Spider-Man, you have Conway leaves at like what issue 150, 151. You know, people would say in some ways the book isn't really memorable again until Roger Stern comes on, which is about 75 issues later. Um, so you have this period where it's still good, and you still have some stories that people like. You have Black Hat shows up. You have the Return of the Burglar, but is it like? you must read this Spider-Man issue? Probably not. Yeah, and it's funny because you got Len Wein, Marv Wolfman, Denny O'Neill that follow Jerry Conway, right? Oh, yeah. And, and, it's, and they're good. Nothing yeah. against those stories, right? And some of them are, you know, fun and, you know, and light. But again, I, I would say the, the book doesn't feel like you must read this until Roger Stern because Roger Stern just got it in a way that the other guys didn't. Conway's interesting, obviously, because he was, you know, a young kid. He was like 20-something years old. He's, you know, he is Peter Parker. Like, Pretty much, yeah. You know, he's the same age as him. He's not, ta- you know, he's not writing someone who's younger. He's writing someone who he is. Uh, it's so interesting that they ever let that happen. Like, even in the late 80s when you had Jim Owsley editing Spider-Man, he was 22 years old when he started, he ed- when he started editing Amazing Spider-Man. Like, no, 
there's a lot of obviously things that he did poorly, um, and people you know don't like some of the things he did as an editor. You, there's a lot you can read about how he kind of botched and screwed up everything that happened with the Hobgoblin because he had a lot of kind of personal vendettas and issues that came out between him and Tom DeFalco and others. But at the end of the day, he was 22 years old editing a book he probably shouldn't have been. And yeah, it makes sense because he's still a pretty contemporary writer today. Yeah, many like nearly forty years later. So yeah, yeah he would have been a young kid. That's crazy to think about. I mean, and without given a comic book to edit at twenty-two years old. <laughs> yeah, with things like with all of that sort of ego that you have at that time. Well, Jim Shooter is always my favorite, right? Like writing stories when he was thirteen years old. Like, you yeah, know, what? <laughs> How is this a thing? You know, it's one of those things that makes me feel like that's even further away in time because it's just so not something that would ever happen now that it feels yeah. so foreign. Um, so it just feels like it's even farther in the past. Like this this quaint period where this 13-year-old could write in stories, uh, story ideas, and then end up getting a job working for DC Comics. Especially, like, a corporate, buttoned-down DC Comics was somehow employing, a you know, a teenager. It's crazy. but it, And then it makes kind of sense that the Marvel Universe had never really ran as well as when he was the editor-in-chief like the whole line was pretty solid it was i mean i i liked i liked a lot of the stuff that he brought in i understand why people don't like him um you know he obviously rubbed a lot of people the wrong way he made the trains run on time and so the people who were late did not appreciate that um but he made the books on time he made sure that they weren't missing shipping dates they didn't use to need to use inventory stories they you know were a more finely tuned machine a less from the freewheeling days of the 60s and 70s and more into like more of a well put together product when did he leave marvel like late, late 80s he was fired yeah i mean is there a better uh, is there really a better era of marvel I mean, I would say that, you know, Joe Quesada did a lot of good things happen during his run. It, they did. Yes, they did. Um, that's unquestionable, I would say. But as far as, like, from the time you get Uncanny X-Men back, or there was just X-Men at the time, giant size, from, from that point of Marvel, you got... I mean, you do have the original Marvel period, because, again, you have Stan, Stan generating all these ideas and working with these amazing artists. So I, mean, sure. I, I get your point, though. There's definitely, from a, you know, I would say Shooter's reign is probably up there, um, because you had a lot of quality books happening at the same time. Um, you know, you had, DeFalco has an interesting period, because he's at the period when the company... the most... Well, the, the company goes through a lot of ownership changes and ownership shifts, and that's something he's not at fault for. And so suddenly he served different masters, and he served yeah. masters who cared about marketing and who cared about money more than the product, more than the art. Um, you know, putting out a good product was always important, but now suddenly it was about flooding the marketplace to drive numbers. So I don't, I, I don't hold him accountable for that because I think anyone in that period would have done the same thing, because uh, it was about you know again the suits. It was less about people like you know the editor in chief being able to drive things. Shooter had to do that too. But it was earlier, and he had different masters, and it was easier to placate them. When they started the shift is when he got fired. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes, I think DeFalco did a good job at carrying the baton after a big shakeup like that. Yeah. Because those books maintained a lot of their quality. But, the, the I mean, Spider-Man in the 80s with Roger Stern, uh, Daredevil, I say it all the time, Thor. Yeah. All of these books were at their high. People reference them up to this time, right? Sure. Oh, for sure. 
So, so my last question for you then, and now that we've gone through like eight months of epics that are coming, is there mm-hmm. one that stood out to you the most that you're like, I need to have that on my shelf, can't wait to have that, or I already have it pre-ordered, or can't wait for it to show up? Um, definitely interested in getting that amazing Spider-Man that continues the Jerry Conway stuff. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's, I, there's, there's a chunk of time there that I haven't had collected in a tangible format. From the Man Wolf to the Punisher to the Harry Osborn taking over the was it just one issue he did it for where he was the Green Goblin for it was like two issues one thirty five one thirty six somewhere around there right around there yeah yeah um, I don't really pick up that series until we get into the Clone Saga the original Clone Saga which is a lot of good stuff classic stuff too mm-hmm. but there's that I look forward to reading that because I have it I don't I don't have it in anything tangible and the Silver Surfer. Hmm. As well as Captain America, those three, those would be my top three. Nice. Uh, Captain America that collects the is it Death of Fred Skull, yeah. the, the Matea stuff. Mm-hmm. That would be nice to kind of it'll button up a couple of things on my shelf. Nice. Yeah. yeah. How about you? Uh, I think for me, I'm excited about that FF because again, the the death of Reed and seeing how the team deals with that. I haven't read all of it, but I'm excited to read it. Um, just like you, I'm a big fan of that Jerry Conway Amazing Spider-Man. That just feels just feels like Spider-Man in some ways more than uh, stands because it's it, it's it's more pared down in terms of the, the the writing and the kind of the silliness and it feels more serious. It feels more like he's got a, a bigger, better plan about what he's doing, even though again he's in his early twenties when he's writing it. So I'm really pumped, probably for those two the most. Um, but there's a lot of fun books there, you know. It's it should be a good eight months. Yeah, it's it's. I think that's the best part of. Um being a comic book fan is the looking forward to something it's the stuff that we're looking forward to looking backwards though to be fair which is again very classic comic booky it's true it's true but it's it's also stuff that for in some cases we haven't seen for years like it'll be and 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 for you like you said like this is a blind spot Mm mm-hmm it's, it's stuff that is brand new so being able to read old stuff for the first time without being I don't know bogged down by everybody else around you giving an opinion about it mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a cool experience when you do that so many years later and people be like so what did you think and you're like oh I actually liked it really you like that like I don't hate the clone saga but I also wasn't stuck reading Spider-Man clone saga in the 90s that's true well, that's a good point yeah, yeah we, 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 uh, we don't have that initial kind of you're not dealing with it for years you know when you don't you know everything is is very different when we you know we interact with this in a different way like when exactly. I when I'll do book of the month or that kind of stuff or I'll go through uh, when I've been doing these Dawn of X Reign of X conversations with uh, Paul and Nate on the podcast it's always interesting to me to see how Nate reacts to things because he reads things in trade way after the fact uh, whereas you know Paul and I were especially with like something like New Mutants where you had creative teams changing after two issues and then coming back to that a couple issues later like if you're reading that month to month it's very discom- very confusing it doesn't work together very well it's very hard to remember where you are in the story because you're just having swapping creative teams for you know who's writing which story um, but if you're reading it in an epic collection or in a, in a collected edition you have none of that issue you have none of that baggage it's kind of like when reading Ultimates again you know you, you read all 13 issues all at once you don't have to endure the long waits between issues that people when they first came out had to deal with same thing with yeah. Astonishing X-Men by Joss Whedon so you get to interact with it differently that 
you, you this extra layer of baggage that may have existed because of how people were experiencing it is completely different. Sometimes it works for you as a collected reader. Sometimes it works against you. When you're reading Silver Age stuff in Epic Collection, it's a slog because there's so much talking. A lot of it's regurgitating. A lot of it's kind of, you know, even Claremont's stuff. How many times do you have to understand how Cyclops' powers work? But that was the nature of publishing at the time, that they had to do that. Otherwise, you wouldn't know. So, Where's that window for you? I find for me, and this is sacrilege, but I find that the part of Marvel that I've read the least of is Stan Lee himself. Be- because of what you described, there's there's a product of... They, they didn't make these things with any intention of them being collected in these story formats. No. They were just sort of day in the life of the character here's 21 more pages we'll pick up the story later yeah that was it so sometimes reading fantastic four or uh, amazing spider-man that stan lee kind of really set the everything on the table that people would copy after i kind of find it's like man this is taking forever like this is so unnecessary i yeah i i think you're right stan i i think you develop a shorthand for reading someone like Stan Lee, like it's yeah. similar to Claremont. I think you you learn to skim what's important, um, and it's just that I think you just as you read more of that author, you get more used to their ticks and their you know their foibles and the things that don't always work well, or the things that you know that you can kind of slide past. You're doing a little bit more scanning than maybe reading Word Perfect um, because you know that there's so much in there and a lot of it, you're just kind of getting the details you need out of it. Uh, the dialogue is still fun, but yeah, a lot of the narration is maybe less necessary. But anyway, Anyways, thank you so much for joining me for today. Oh, this was, thank you so much. I, I think there was definitely a moment in there where you were like wondering how many epic collections there could possibly be and realizing maybe the folly of agreeing to do this. But no, I, no, 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 not at all. I it's appreciate holiday it. season. It's time for us to uh, you know have a little bit of fun and, and enjoy the downtime. Well, it's nice I, to look forward, <laughs> as you said. It's nice to look forward. There's you know, let's not worry about 2021. Let's just talk about 2022 and all the the epic collections that we'll be spending our money on. That's that's it. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate for the, the invitation. I hope you have a, a, the rest of 2021 is a restful, enjoyable time with the family. Excellent. And uh, for you listening, you can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. You can rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. And, of course, you should listen to the Cave of Solitude podcast uh, because Eric has great conversations often with Dave Molyneux and not with me. Uh, but that's okay. I'm not, I'm not in any way uh, upset about it. But uh, Dave is a fantastic guest. It's always nice to hear you guys chatting about comics and uh, often going doing deep dives into Marvel history and uh, Marvel runs that are important to read and Spider-Man runs that are important to read. So I definitely recommend people check out your show and uh, to listen to your conversations with Dave. Thank you, Adam. All right. Thanks so much. All right, buddy.